Hallelujah. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let us say together the collect. O oh God, the King of glory, you have exalted your only Son, Jesus Christ, with great triumph to your kingdom in heaven. Do not leave us comfortless, but send us your Holy Spirit to strengthen us and exalt us to that place where our Savior Christ has gone before, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, in glory everlasting. Amen. We will have the first reading from Acts 1, 15 to 17, and the 21st to 26, read by Dorothy. Dorothy, say just a few words where you are and your name. Uh, I'm Dorothy Pearson from the northeast of England. Uh, right. Okay. Thank you. So reading from Acts 1, 15 to 17 and 21 to 26. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers. Together, together, the crowd numbered about 120 persons and said, Friends, the scripture had been fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit through David foretold concerning Judas, who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in his ministry. So one of the men who had been accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become the witness with us to his resurrection. So they proposed to Joseph, called uh, Barabbas, who was also known as Justus and, and Matthias. Then they prayed and said, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to take in place of, in, his, in their ministry and apostleship, from which Judas turned aside to go his own place. And they cast lots up for them and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was added to the 11 apostles. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. I'd like to invite Rebecca to read the gospel. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them and they have received them and know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. 
All mine are yours and yours are mine and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name, in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name so that you have given me. I guarded them and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask, ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong in the world, just as I do not belong in the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. The gospel of the Lord. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Thank you. Okay, this is our time for reflection and then discussion. So, uh, I hope again, uh, you can help me try to make sense uh, from the readings that we've just read uh, and try to translate that uh, contextually for us in our life today and in light of what's happening uh, back home in, uh, in Palestine and Israel. Uh, so the first reading from the book of Acts um, talks about the replacement of Judas Iscariot with Matthias around 120 followers of Jesus were meeting together in Jerusalem. And Jesus told them to stay in Jerusalem until they are empowered by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. The only criterion for the new person was that uh, he should have been with them all along and should have also witnessed the resurrection. That is, he was with them when the resurrection took place. The story of Judas' betrayal reflects many dynamics uh, which we are experiencing today at a large scale um, in, in Jerusalem and throughout the land and in Gaza. And what happened in Sheikh Jarrah also. Um, 
all of what's been happening there, all the tragedies, the, the killings. The, uh, the last night before I went to bed, there were over 255 people killed from the Palestinians, including no less than 60 children and over 7,000 already injured. And probably the number is larger nowadays. Uh, um, so when I think about the whole story of Jesus and his, and his death and so on, and the un underlying forces that uh, have been active in the whole thing of betrayal, collaboration, conspiracy, uh, all these things, um, it's amazing, you know, it's the same thing. We are, uh, when we look at what's happening today in our world and what's happening in Palestine and Israel, the nature of conflict, the violence, the war, the killings, all this uh, is there. Uh, Jesus, Judas was only one small link uh, used by the religious people of power to achieve their goal and protect their business. These powerful forces, these dynamics have been going on uh, in the world always. And now, especially, uh, we are experiencing it in a, in a, in a very difficult way. Uh, and, you know, this all includes, these forces include the people of power who use their weapons, who have their intentions, their motives, their objectives, uh, and who is suffering. The, the ones who suffer are the everyday people of the land. You know, the victims are always the poor and the innocent. From, from one perspective, for those of, of, of us who know the situation back home, uh, Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, is fighting for his own political life. He's accused of all kinds of uh, um, deceptions and, uh, and uh, um, problems that he has raised, corruptions and so on. Um, and he's using now the opportunity to kill and destroy, hoping that this will be prolong his political career. He does not value people's lives. And this is also, again, this is, this is, this is empire. I mean, what's new? It, does, it was during the time of Jesus. People were not valued for their, for their life. Uh, they were killed, they were used by religious powers, political powers. Another point that I reflect on, uh, Judas, after Judas killed himself, the disciples felt that the ministry should go on. The mission of Jesus Christ should not stop. We need, they need to choose another one to take the place of, of Judas. Uh, we don't know much about him, 
But it's very interesting that few um, few weeks, probably later, um, uh, Christ chooses another person. Uh, I don't know, was it instead of Matthias? No, Matthias continues to be one of the 12. But it is Christ who chooses another person to, uh, to become uh, the person who really brought the gospel to the whole world more than anybody else. It was Saul of Tarsus, and we know him as Paul. And, uh, and it's very interesting, again, uh, it did not stop. The mission did not stop. Another person came along and took on the ministry, took on the mission, took on the work. Uh, another point that I also reflected on, uh, many times we need, in spite of the tragedy, in spite of, uh, of, of all that's go bad that's going on, uh, we need to look at the big, the bigger picture. So, be, beyond our limited sight, we need to recognize the deeper insights that uh, 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 that these people who are get, getting killed, hopefully they are not have not died in vain. If this leads us to a permanent peace, to the end of the occupation. Um, all these things, you know, come to my mind as I reflect on this. Uh, and also when we reflect on the death of Jesus and the organization of the disciples there, and uh, um, it seems at the beginning that maybe this small movement was going to, to, to end, to disintegrate. Uh, it was crushed already. Um, but uh, no, you know, God put power, power in it. Christ was there in the spirit. And we're gonna look at the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit next, next week. You know, but it was interesting that, uh, um, that life was given it, given to it. Uh, and again, this is something that we can also reflect on. Uh, uh, so, but you know, when we look at our churches today, we also look at our human frailty. Um, there is, we find people who deny Christ. We find people who betray Christ. And sometimes even within our church organization, institutions, we have problems. Um, uh, Peter confessed his denial and went back uh, to the, was restored to the fellowship of the believers. While Judas betrayed and did not come back, he ended his life tragically. Uh, can we reflect also on our own weakness in our churches, the problems within our communities that we want to do the Jesus work and Jesus mission, but at the same time, we feel uh, of our shortcomings and weaknesses and so on. And then when I look at the gospel reading, I just want to say a few words in there and maybe ask a few questions. 
uh, it's very interesting. You look at the word, um, uh, the world, you know, is mentioned several times. I am Jesus appraised. I am not asking you in his prayer to the Father. He says, I'm not asking you to take the disciples out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Uh, but, you know, is it also, is, is all our prayers about our protection? Um, is that really the main prayer that we pray for? Obviously, we want to be protected and we pray for our protection. But what about faithfulness? You know, sometimes it's beyond the protection. What about fidelity? Fidelity, you know, fidelity for Christ, for justice, for the mission. The mission is stronger. The, the message is stronger. Uh, it, is, uh, it is not we, the servants. It is the message, the, the, the mission. It is Christ. It is the, uh, it is the truth. It is the treasure. Uh, in earthen, earthen vessels, you know, but the glory is for the for the treasure, for Christ, for the work of Christ. And finally, the word, uh, verse 17, 17, uh, Jesus' prayer is sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And, you know, in the conflict over Palestine now, the word truth is so essential. What is truth? Where is the truth? You know, how can we be sanctified by the truth? How does truth purifies us? How does truth sanctifies us? These are things that I hope we can reflect on at this time. Uh, the greatest challenge is to speak the truth, to stand for the truth, to, to live the truth. Otherwise, people are living in the lie. And as Christians, as believers, I think we really need to champion the truth, even the truth that we are uh, experiencing uh, today or the lack of truth that we are experiencing today. I'm gonna stop right here and invite you to uh, reflect on uh, this, these beautiful texts that we have and you might be drawn or pulled by some other verses there. And I hope we can share a good uh, com conversation, trying to make sense out of this text for our life today. So please, Omar, lead us in, the, uh, in, the, in organizing now uh, this period of time. Um, thank you, Assis. Um... What we're trying to do today is to connect um, scripture, the weekly uh, readings, um, with, with the reality in Palestine and Israel. Um, uh, so if you'd like to participate and just tell us what um, came up to you um, um, and what texts were very relevant, just please either raise your hand electronically or write me in the chat or um, virtually if your camera is on. Um, Kathy? 
Um, hi, I'm Kathy Christensen, and I'm from Santa Fe, New Mexico, in the southwest of the U.S. Um, I have I've always loved this passage because I think it, Jesus is asking God to be with the, those of us on Earth uh, to to give us strength to go on uh, to carry out the gospel and the mission and Jesus's mission. And yesterday, I had the privilege of uh, listening in on a Zoom conversation with Edwin Arison, who is a, an, an Anglican priest in South Africa and a colleague, younger colleague of uh, Bishop Archbishop uh, Desmond Tutu. And he was talking about, you know, liberation theology and, and, and the, the mission and so on. And he said he... He, he put together two words that really struck me. He was talking about, he said, Bishop, uh, Archbishop Tutu had a very disciplined prayer life and that that was a lot what allowed him to, to keep going on, to keep on with the struggle. And uh, Arison put together uh, two words. He said, uh, they're sort of like uh, con contemplation versus action or contemplation with action, which he said must go together. Uh, and his words were silence and uh, solidarity, meaning the silence of prayer, personal prayer or communal prayer, which gives us the strength to, to be in solidarity with the oppressed, with Palestinians, with the blacks in South Africa uh, who were struggling against apartheid and so on. So. That's what I take as the message of this gospel is uh, is know that God is with us in the struggle with us and with the Palestinians in the particular this particular situation to continue continue resistance and and uh, and continue solidarity with the oppressed of all the rest of the world and know that the other oppressed are in solidarity with with the Palestinians. I hope I've been not not been babbling too much, but I was I was really struck by his connection of prayer with action and which is basically essentially I think what this what Jesus is saying in this gospel. So thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Um Robert I was uh, appreciative of of uh, Naeem's connection between Judas and the religious authorities. And it raises for me the whole issue of uh, what I would call in any struggle, those who are in a sense accommodationists uh, who uh, in, in ways cooperate with the, uh, with the, with the powers to be uh, over against their own people. And I'm sure this is true in, in any struggle that you would find those among the Palestinians who feel they have to work with the Israelis there's a big sense in which the actions of the Israeli leaders are, in, in a sense, betraying their own people. It's their own people where they're being betrayed through their treatment of the Palestinians. And uh, I think this uh, Judas and authorities' religious connection is one that's really worth contemplating about. Many times in the U.S., our churches have uh, been accommodationist in, in bending towards uh, the powers to be and, and in a sense, real sense, selling out its own people. So this is something to keep an eye on and to keep reflecting on. And I appreciate you raising that. Thank you, Robert.
Um, Darren Myers. Um, you are on mute, uh, Darren. Can you hear? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, on that theme, you know, I was mentioning to some of you this morning about uh, on the program Democracy Now, which you can Google for transcript, Gideon Levy, the longtime uh, journalist, Israeli journalist who is among a number of Jews who've written about the realities in Gaza and who's an editor at Haaretz was talking about it's unbelievable how they're repeating the same stuff over and over again. And it's time for Israel to be responsible to pay for its crimes. There, there's no parody to this, but he's talking about truth. He says the most depressing thing is that the Israeli media speaking with one voice, asking for more blood, so to speak, and the public opinion with one voice they don't get any real inf information. In other words, they don't get uh, uh, the truth of things. Uh, it's uh, also, uh, uh, they don't see on TV anything except maybe a falling tower or two. That's a big, fantastic thing to watch, you know. And they don't see anything good. So they feel good about themselves, the society there, because we have the most moral army in the world. And it's all Hamas's fault. So uh, Gideon Levy really does a lot to dispel that, as a number of other Jewish authors have done too regarding Gaza and this whole thing about truth today, which we don't see too much of in our newspapers or media, has to be somehow counteracted with uh, what the realities are on the ground. Thank you, Doug. Um, thank you. Um, I would like to say something because there's something that is very bother, uh, very much bothering me in the text, um, in the gospel reading today. And um, verse 12 says, while I was with them, um, I protected them in your name that you have, gi uh, that you have given me. I guarded them and not, uh, and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost so that the scripture might be fulfilled. Usually, I always, when we read the, the gospel and when we're doing Bible studies, we try to take Jesus and we feel with Jesus. This time, I feel like Judas um, for us as Palestinian Christians. Um, without going so much into theology, because I'm not a trained theologian, um, but I see like Judas, you know, this is whenever we encounter our brothers and sisters who are Christian Zionists, they come and say, yeah, but this has to happen. Scripture, prophecies. Scriptures have to be fulfilled um, uh, for the second coming, the building of the temple, blah, 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 all of this. And I, I feel so much uncomfortable with this uh, um, uh, because we feel that we are Palestinians. We are, it's part of God's plan to become refugees, to suffer war, to be expelled from our lands and so on. So in a way, I feel maybe it is, it's also, I know lots of work has been done inside the church with dealing with this uh, verse. But I find somehow cursed like Judas, you know, us as Palestinians. And then I have this other struggle, which doesn't make me very comfortable, especially that these um, words were said or um, are referring to Jesus, is that it is, I did not join the church or be, I, I'm a follower uh, of the church because I want the scripture to be fulfilled. I don't care. I want the kingdom come. I want the, the will of God to be fulfilled. 
And I find so much struggle here that is making me very uncomfortable. And there's so many kids and children and people and innocent people, whether Palestinians or Israelis, are losing their lives. And when we turn to the church, it says about scriptures being fulfilled, and this makes me very uncomfortable. Um, uh, Valerie? Um, you've really uh, stirred me there, Omar. Um, the thing that had struck me was the link, the repeated link between sanctification and truth uh, and in the last um, three verses. And it seems to me that um, that truth has got to be spoken and that there's a sanctification in it, however painful and difficult it is. Um, speaking truth to power is extremely risky and um, for the Palestinians, you know, even more so. Um, and yet the sanctification is there. And um, to me, that speaks of um, protection, but it's really difficult. I think I always have to remember to read the um, Old Testament in the light of Jesus and um, I feel like John's feeling he needs to explain what happened with Judas um, rather than that actually being literally what Jesus said. I hope that makes sense. Thanks, Valerie. Um, Dorothy? Just responding to you, Omar, what you were saying, that I was feeling a little bit uh, not wanting to go into the world-ish, you know, because, you know, if you're not of the world, you don't always want to go out in all that rubbish. And I was praying to God in my car about the situation in Palestine on my way to church. And I said, I've got to ask you this, God, is it right for me to go out and to speak to the group on Sunday, next Sunday, or is it wrong, you know? Do you want Palestine to, to come through or, or do you want the Israelis to take the place over? I've, I've got to ask you that question. Not that that comes into my heart because my heart's 100% with Palestine, but I have to ask God the question, which you sometimes ask. And but then it was this scripture at church and it was like a miracle to me because what the scripture was saying was, and I was actually saying, I don't go in the world and I didn't know what the scripture was. And I'm, it's like, I'm not of the world, but you have to go into the world because you know, you're not of the world, you're of me, and you must go out and speak the truth. You must go with the Holy Spirit and speak the truth to the world. You don't belong to it, you belong to me, speak the truth. And that was like a miracle to me. That was like confirmation that God is with the Palestinians and that he uses people like us that are here with you now to go out into the world to speak the truth. And like what you said, is why, why I'm kind of like, this is very, what I'm speaking is very much from the heart and not so much of a reflection. But I wanted to share it with you because I'm, I'm confident that God is with the Palestinian people. He's always for people who are oppressed. And right now, Israel lacks morality. And that, as, as was said on Tuesday, Israel lacks morality and it, it's showing out in the world. And God is very much for the Palestinians who are being oppressed, being killed. So I just Thank want you. to say to you, Omar, and everyone else. Yeah. 
Thank you. Dorothy. Thank you, Dorothy. But uh -huh. you know, we need to be sorry, Omar. Just we need to be very careful uh, when we when we say that God is with somebody and against somebody. Um, God is is always true to God and to who God is. We need to be very very careful. We need to be very careful um, because God does not stand with uh, uh, with people who are uh, killing or muting or whatever they're doing. You know, God is true to who God is, you know, which at the end of the day, it is love, where love is, where you are expressing love, where you are uh, working for love, where you are um, and God is against anyone who is not uh, practicing love of others. You know, I think we need to be very careful in our language when we really say it. So, um, so I'm just trying to really uh, be aware of this with you all. How about thank you? I, I mean, we, we need to get go. I agree, Assis, with you. Theologically, it might not be sound, but it is needed for Jesus and God to be in Gaza and to be with the Palestinians. Yes, absolutely. Theologically absolutely. sound, but it is needed. No, uh, God is with, with the people who are suffering and with the people who are uh, grieving. And, uh, uh, and uh, God is with, with us in the midst of our suffering. Um, Donald? Well, I'm uh, very grateful to Omar for raising this uh, this point of, that he has about uh, about how we look at scripture. I don't want to get too theoretical because we're right in the middle of a, a very uh, realistic and uh, problematical situation for, for especially for our hosts here. But I wanted to say that I think there's tradition, as I understand it, and I'm only speaking as an outsider, of the uh, principle of Midrash within the uh, Jewish way of looking at scripture. And I, I take comfort from that, that we are to interrogate scripture in the light of the overall trend of scripture, which I think is what uh, Naim probably was, was saying. Uh, I would be very interested to know uh, how our Lord Jesus would actually read John's gospel. If you see what I mean, because I, yes. I, I understand that this was probably written, you know, I don't know, maybe 60, 70 years after our Lord uh, was ascended. And therefore, he didn't get a chance to check the manuscript, if I may put it that way. <laughs> And I have a feeling that there are things in, in probably all four of the Gospels, which he said, well, wait a minute, that's not quite what I meant. And I've given you the Holy Spirit. I think this is the point. That's why there's this emphasis on the gift of the Holy Spirit, that we have to wrestle or interrogate Scripture and see where the Scripture actually uh, is, is wrong. And we can do that rather easily with large bits of the Old Testament. We're a bit more sensitive about doing that with the 
with the New Testament, I think, but I feel that that is part of the job, that interpretation of scripture is a never-ending business, and we have to, you know, relate it to what's going on in our lives and so on. So that would be my point. I, I find Omar's uh, interrogation of this text absolutely where I am, because I think we have to do that. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of stuff in uh, John's Gospel that refers to the Jews, uh, you know, as being sort of um, uh, the, the ob object of some difficulty. And that has gone down the years in history. So the whole history of the um, Gentile treatment of the Jews, which has now led to this comeback from the Jewish nation and really mimicking what was done to them, now is being meted out in the Middle East. I mean, there's a history here. And I think it has to do quite a lot that the, the scripture was taken too much at face value. I think it has to be interrogated. And it has to be interrogated in the, in the light of what we understand uh, the th main thrust is of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and I think there's a very serious job has to be done. And I'm very interested. Um, I'll stop in a moment. But I'm, I'm really struggling myself to understand um, Zionism, and particularly Christian Zionism. And I'd like to have somebody unpack that a bit, I think, because it seems to me this is a real, real problem uh, where so many Christians especially evangelical Christians, are kind of automatically thinking that the Jews must be right because of this fulfillment business. Yeah. That's me. That's all I want to say. Thanks, Thank Donna. Thank you. Um, Sister Anna? Yeah. Hello. Uh, Omar, I'd like to talk about the, your question. Uh, it seems to me very, very important. Uh, I think um, the Bible and the scripture are interpretation, human interpretation is true, is inspired by God, but our human interpretation, we are not allowed to, to read uh, literally because it's very, very um, um, confused. We can uh, easily confuse the real meaning of the, in the context. Because this, this scripture is mm, written, in, mm, has written in one context. And it's not true. Uh, this context is different uh, today. In nowadays, it's not the same context. And that is one point. Another point is the message of Jesus. Message of Jesus, mm, the meaning is salvation for everyone, everywhere. And then we can't allow to use the, this word to attack other person, other people, nobody. In, in God's gospel, everyone uh, receives the salvation of God. Uh, of course, uh, we can react positive or negative in, in one way positive or in one way negative way. But Jesus invites us to react in positive way. And that is not, we can use this word to say, uh, God is doing the, the will and the, the Palestines must, must be killed and so. That is horrible, it's not acceptable in any way. 
not acceptable in any way. Um, is, is life, is on the salvation, is for today, now. Now, we must work for justice, for love, for everyone. The other things are political things, interest, uh, money, interest, uh, egoist, selfish. No, it's not, 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 not way in the gospel. No, no way. Well, that is my my opinion. Thank thanks, 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 Anna. Um, John. Uh, thank you, Omar. John fourteen. To 17 is the reflection of the Johannine community after decades of reflecting on the meaning of Jesus in his world. The passage from John 17 that we read emphasizes there are two ways in the world. There's the world's way and there's the way of Jesus and his kingdom. The world's way says, when you are offended, go after them and retaliate. And if they don't knuckle under, you can harass them and destroy them. So the way of Jesus is when there is an offense, go to the person who is offending you and be reconciled. There must be the way of addressing the underlying causes as Nehemiah did, for example, many, many years ago, pulling the leadership together. What is the problem? Let us forgive one another. And to me, that passage in verse 17, sanctify them in the truth, where Jesus is praying for us to live in that reality, not the reality of retaliation and rockets and missiles that destroy buildings and people and children and the enemy, but to live in the truth, Naeem, as you've said, to live in the truth, in reality, in the underlying issues, and guess what? You're human, you're not perfect. You need to forgive and you need to accept it and you need to give it. That's the world of Jesus, that's the world of reality. And when, when we are advocates of the lie, the lie is the myth of redemptive violence. Oh, we can, we can take care of this by destroying them. We can take care of this by killing, by retaliating. That's the way of the world. That's the way of Bibi. That's the way of Hamas. That's the way of the world. And so when we are in the truth, we become purified. We, we, we commit to a nonviolent way. And that's the, that's the thing that we have to do in the churches today. Reaffirm our commitment to nonviolence and go against the way of the world. This is the way we become purified. Uh, in, in the truth and go into the world as Jesus would have us go into the world. I am so committed to Sabil's reconciliation and nonviolent way of resolving issues. Uh, that to me is what is the, the church is called upon to, to be and do in one voice, not alternative voices, not the Christian Zionists saying, oh, but in this case, Israel has to stay strong and blah, blah, blah. No, that's not the way. That is not the way for anybody. And so I, I thank you for listening to, uh, uh, to my passion on this. And I pray for, to be sanctified in living in the truth 
and the reality of Jesus, not the way of the world. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you. Um, Assis Fahed? Yeah, I, I want to move in three boxes. The first box is the, the uh, you know, the book of Acts, the Gospels, and the letters. You know, the place in Luke, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, you know, uh, to, f uh, to free the prisoner, to help the poor, to visit the sick, and so forth. So uh, as you think about the book of Acts and the whole New Testament, really you're talking about a community coming from zero in the belly of the empire. What will be the focus? I want my people to believe Jesus, to be filled with the spirit and be a witness for truth, for justice and so forth. So basically there's not much in the book of Acts or the gospel really blasting the hell out of the Roman empire because it was brutal like everybody else. Now the next box is now. The next box, I mean, if I am a British uh, citizen or an American citizen, well, it's a different ball game. I am right now, I love Jesus, but I'm in the belly of the empire, the people who are making decision to kill other people. I start to reflect on Gaza and I said, you know, uh, you know how the American people are going to worry about Gaza? You know, my as an American for the last 50 something years, you know, my country, you know, killed quarter of a million Iraqis, injured a million, and I still occupied them, and I don't feel it. Uh, we did the same thing in Syria. We did the same in, in Libya. We did the same in, uh, in, uh, in uh, uh, Yemen. Right now, uh, I think in the Palestinian-Israeli context, that's the third box. How I'm going to inform my people in the pew about the injustice, unless I, I'm, a, I'm uh, you know, uh, I'm a typical American. When I don't see, I hear, I forget goodbye. Now everybody on the Zoom is have attachment because 80% of you visited and saw injustice raw. So you become here and become, so I want us to see how can we calvinize our believers in the pew to be spiritual, love Jesus, but how can they change policy? Because my policy is destroying Palestine for the last 37, 73 years. I mean, there, there's no doubt in my mind, there's no way for Israel to control a people uh, for 73 years without my American money. This is just, so, I want to see how the people in the view can see advocacy for truth, for justice and reconciliation as a, what you call it, a spiritual journey. And uh, the church is not there. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Fred. Thank you. Um, Megan? Uh, thank you. Thank you, Omar. I think at the moment, because we are concentrating uh, quite a lot on uh, the the Hamas and the uh, the, the bombing. Um, the focus, in fact, uh, 
about uh, sanctification in the truth is much more wider in terms of what's happening to people in Jerusalem or what's happening to people in the West Bank. Um, and you could see how the, the uh, if you want to, to call it, how the evil thinking works is that it's diverting our attention when sanctification of the truth should be very much uh, in the areas we are talking about, uh, whether it's in America, whether it's in Britain, whether it's in Europe, for the, the truth. And the truth, if we talk about the other, the, the wider context of the Israel-Palestine situation away from Gaza and the bombing, then people are beginning to understand that. And for the first time, I feel that globally, there's much more awareness of what is happening to the Palestinian people simply because now they're beginning to search, they're beginning to find out that let's have a look at beyond just the Gaza and uh, the, the conflict with Hamas. Um, so I think sanctification is taking place in terms that people are beginning to find out the truth. And I want to leave it there. Thank you, Megan. Omar? Um, Don Wagner? Yes, sorry, I didn't know if I was on mute. Don? Yeah, thanks, Omar, and everyone. Um, Omar, again, you know, you cut to the core as you always do so well and bring it right home. Um, I'm, I just want to say a word of how grateful I am for Palestinian liberation theology. And it is really the guide for me now, having grown up a Christian Zionist and been through liberal Christian Zionism, etc. But uh, Palestinian liberation theology helps me focus on the prophetic as my hermeneutic, but also uh, calls me to a lifestyle of that, which is uh, very challenging that I really live up to. But it also calls me and reminds me of the preferential option of the poor. And to start with that, uh, both in thinking of scripture, but also living in the empire. And my responsibility is to have compassion and lift up their voices. Uh, this has to be done collectively. I can't do it alone. We need each other, both in terms of how we read scripture, but how Don, we don't hear you. Um, you have been uh, done. We're not able to hear you. I think your mic got disconnected. Okay. Well, that's enough. Thanks, Don. Thank you, Don. Um, Betty?
just a comment referring to what Naeem uh, asked in his meditation, as well as Omar's comments. Uh, for me to measure truth, um, I use the guideline that anything that harms, oppresses, marginalizes people, or dismisses people as being expendable and without intrinsic worth is not of God. And that's what I see playing out now on the side of Israel, as well as what I saw when I was walking the soil of Israel and Palestine in 2019. And from the way I see God, God is always with those who suffer. Unfortunately, our culture has distorted our understanding of scripture. And like Donald said, it needs to be interrogated to help us see what God is actually trying to teach us. And we will never but see a mini skew of it, but that is our responsibility. And when I spoke to a rabbi who was in a settler uh, or in a settlement, and I asked him, how can you justify what you are doing to the Palestinian people? He quoted the Ten Commandments. That, and I said, uh, and he said they actually had set nine of them, but he could only remember seven. And he was representing the government. And then um, I, I said to him, uh, what drives your theology? And he said, oh, God is happy with us. He gave us this land. God is happy when we take back the land that he promised us. So my mind, of course, reeled at that. And then the other comment I'd like to make is, why is Netanyahu and his military targeting the media to me? It says that he doesn't want the world to see what is actually happening to the Palestinian, which they have already perpetrated for years and years on end. Only now we become aware of it through the pictures that are actually getting through. But he also knows, I think somebody already mentioned it, that if he loses the next election, he cannot carry out his mandate. And to me, he seems like a very angry man, not God-fearing at all. And in some ways, I see that the larger uh, population of Israel, who is part of that militant as well as the government, they've become a culture of being taught to be cold-hearted, just like the rabbi said. And how do you change the hard-heartedness of people when they base it on what their culture has taught them and what they believe God wants of them? That's my question. Thank you, Billy. Um, Judith? Okay. Um, I have to say, last night I was watching an old movie on Turner Classic Movies called uh, The Nuremberg Trials. It was done in 1962, and it has Spencer Tracy, uh, 
Burt Lancaster. It was a great movie. Um, and it was, of course, talking about the, uh, the trial of the Germans that were in, a, in authority during uh, World War II. And, uh, you know, the German people were trying to say, we didn't know, we didn't know it was so bad. And uh, the judge played by Spencer Tracy, you know, at the end of the whole uh, movie, he goes, um, everyone knew, <laughs> he said, you all knew. <laughs> and he said, the, you know, he, he put all the leaders, um, destined, judged them to, um, sentenced them to life in prison. And um, he said, you cannot just kill people because of who they are. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just so ironic. I said, this is just like what Israel does to the Palestinians. They, they give them wrong justice, false justice. They, they, uh, they perpetrate lies. They, they persecute Palestinians. Um, and their goal seems to be to get rid of them, to kill as many of them as they can. Uh, so it was a, I wish uh, more, you know, uh, with Americans uh, and everyone in the world that is on the side of justice really just needs to keep working, keep working, speak the truth, despite what pe the people don't want to hear it, keep writing your, your Congress people as much as they don't want to hear from you and have, and you know they aren't listening, but keep, keep hammering away, keep, keep writing them anyway and um, sending them things that might open their eyes. As Kumi now said, write the Vatican, write uh, the World Council of Churches, write anyone you can think of. And I, I received an email today from a person um, that uh, I was the first one I've ever received from somebody else uh, standing up for the Palestinians. It's usually me sending it to other people, but I received it and I, I thanked her so much. I said, bless you. I was, you know, so it, things are, we're making a dent. And um, I said in my chat that it takes a long time to change things, but when they do change, they change like that. They change like that. So um, we, can, we can't give up and we can't be discouraged. It is our mission to be in mission and that's what we have to keep doing it. So thanks for letting me talk. Thank you. Thank you, Judith. Omar, maybe we need, there is only Caroline, I think. Um, okay. Hi, uh, <clears throat> Hi thanks uh, ever so much for everybody's uh, insights. There's so much to uh, absorb and so much to learn from and uh, contemplate. Um, I think for me, I'm, I guess um, I've been looking at the readings as well for uh, this coming Sunday because uh, have the opportunity to uh, preach on Sunday. And uh, I love Pentecost. And whenever I have read the reading, uh, especially from Acts, and, uh, you know, everybody is there in Jerusalem and, um, you know, they hear of God's wondrous deeds, uh, each one in their own language. And of course, uh, you know, we hear there are God-fearing Jews from, you know, every part of every nation. And then we hear, you know, um, of the Arabs and, you know, the Greeks and many, many other people who hear of God's wondrous deeds in their own language. And this always provokes me to 
try and um, reach people with the gospel message in a way that they can understand and that they too can receive. Now, I think everything we've been talking about and everything that's been going on, I'm feeling so kind of frustrated because I think, you know, I would love to bring a message on Sunday um, that also concerns the situation and the people of the Holy Land today, because, you know, we're not just looking at what happened 2000 years ago, we're, we're looking at today. And uh, we're also, you know, speaking of how the Holy Spirit speaks to us today and into our contemporary culture. So I was gonna, I guess, ask a difficult question really to, uh, to Naeem. I th think he's gone, <laughs> maybe nipped to the loo, and also to Omar, because I'm wrestling with how to bring a message this Sunday um, when we when we speak of Pentecost, when we preach of Pentecost, that somehow brings to light the situation that is going on now in the Holy Land, um, you know, to people, actually, some people in a, in a small village that may not have, you know, any perception of what is going on. The first, first thing we worry about in school and we worry about in our churches when we speak out is somebody's going to point and say we're anti-Semitic and we're, we're stirring up trouble and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I think I'm asking you a really, really difficult question and I, I need to address this myself through prayer. But how can I... How can I bring a message this Sunday which connects not only with Pentecost, the day of Pentecost when it happens, but what is happening today in Jerusalem and in the Holy Land um, to express something of how God's message is for everybody. And it's a message of peace and it's a message of inclusion and it's not a message of hate and exclusion and discrimination so sorry I just I, I feel really frustrated because you know I kind of I have the opportunity to speak but I, I need to find the right way and the right words to connect the past and the present and what's gonna happen in the future. Thanks, thanks, Caroline. And I think you've, you've really expressed it well in the last few sentences you mentioned. And I think this is part of the message that we all can, uh, can use, that God is the God of love, God of inclusion, not exclusion, you know, and that uh, the, the Palestinian people are part of God's people and that they are also uh, God's people who are seeking uh, to live in justice and to live in peace yeah. with their neighbors and so on. I think this is the message that we can that we can give, you know, and it is very much at the heart 
of uh, our faith, you know, in that sense. And um, thank you, Omar, for leading the discussion. And just for those of you who can stay after our, prayer, our prayers, uh, I've asked uh, Cedar and uh, Samia and Omar to give us an update on what's, uh, what's happening on the ground. Um, we will have also a chance to maybe uh, ask a few questions. And this is uh, optional uh, for those, because you know many of you are probably keeping up uh, with the news, but just in case you want a personal um, uh, understanding of what's happening now, uh, these friends from back home will give us an update and maybe others who are with us also from back home can also share their views. So thank you so much. I think we need to continue now in our prayer time and move to our wave of prayer at this time. And I ask Omar to, to lead us in that. Thank you. Um, um, but I would like to apologize if somebody has raised their hand and I was um, I did not spot them. So please forgive me. Um, we will move now to the time of uh, prayer. The Kumi online gathering on Tuesday, the 18th of May, focused on the ongoing Nakba suffered by Palestinians who are displaced from their homes by Israeli annexation. The UN celebrates World Day of, for Cultural Diversity for Dialogue and Development on Friday, the 21st of May. Week 21 of Kumi Now will consider how tolerance and cultural diversity could hold the key to developing the dialogue necessary to achieve peace and sustainable development in the Holy Land. Lord, you delight in diversity and creativity. Help us to find ways to reach out to those from different ethnic and cultural backgrounds with tolerance, trust and respect. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our, our prayer. The exchange of rocket fire between Israel and Gaza continues today despite urgent calls for a ceasefire by countries around the world. Um, one woman was killed in Gaza today and six children were injured, as well as the widespread damage to property. This brings the total number of people who lost their lives in Gaza to, to over 232 including 65 children and 39 women. 12 people have lost their lives in Israel, um, including two children. Lord, we pray for an end to this disproportionate war between Israel and the Gaza Strip. Lord, we pray that the root causes of these hostilities will be addressed in a just manner for those, by those in power, so that this carnage will stop once and for all, never to return. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayers. On Friday, the 14th of May, Sabil Palestinian Liberation Theology Center organized a visit for the Christian clergy and heads of Christian-based organizations to the residents of Sheikh Jarrah. Four extended family households in the Palestinian neighborhood have been battling eviction orders in the Israeli courts for years. Jewish settler groups are trying to evict them and to increase the Jewish presence in the heart of occupied East Jerusalem. 
Lord Jesus, King of Righteousness, enthroned at the right hand of the Father, we pray for the world that it may be subject to your justice and peaceful rule. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. In the final days of Ramadan, Israeli police stormed the Al-Aqsa compound where thousands of Muslims were at prayer. During the assault, 300 Palestinians and 21 Israeli officers were injured. Hamas responded to this assault by firing hundreds of rockets from Gaza into Israel. The Israelis retaliated with heavy aerial bombings of Gaza. Tensions have been heightened throughout the country and the state of emergency was declared after clashes broke out in Lid and other mixed towns between Israelis and Palestinians living inside Israel. Lord Jesus, Son of Man, you draw humanity into the light of God. We pray for all our brothers and sisters in need, distress or sorrow this day, especially those caught up in the spiral of violence and bloodshed in Palestine and Israel. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Hear our prayer. We join with the World Council of Churches in their prayers with the countries of Bangladesh, Bhutan and Nepal. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayers. Let us take a few moments of silent prayer. Let's continue to pray for a just peace for the end of the occupation, illegal occupation of Israel to the all the Palestinian areas. And let us also pray for the sick, all the injured, the wounded. Let us pray for all those who are mourning the loss of loved ones. Let us pray for all mothers, for children, for fathers who have been killed. Let us remember in prayer, the sick and the needy, the homeless. Let us also remember our families and friends. Let us pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Let us confess our sins to God. Together we say, most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. 
We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us our sins. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen us in all goodness. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. Let us say together the Lord's Prayer in our different languages. And let us uh, recommit ourselves to walk in, in love. Let's say together the Agape Creed. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It does not keep a record of wrongs. It does not celebrate injustice, but rejoices in the truth. Love never gives up, never loses faith always hopes, always endures. Love cannot be conquered. And together we say, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Let us go in peace to love and, win and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.